to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sportitos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20, the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is November 13th, 2023, Monday. I believe this is Mariners cast number 105. I think we're going to settle into a weekly format with uh, any Mariners news coming forth, uh, kind of stopping and doing a podcast just to cover that news. But we're going to do a weekly format from this point until we get closer uh, into the season. I'm going to cover all the Mariners news over the past week or so on today's Mariners cast. We're going to talk about some of the rumors that are out there. Uh, Today's news will go all the way back to the uh, waiver claim of Caleb Ort. Uh, so we'll cover basically what the Mariners done, have done so far on the margins this offseason. But again, today, uh, minor league signings and trades. Talk Jerry DePoto, some of his comments at the GM meetings. We'll talk decision to non-tender the QO uh, or to not tender the QO to Tails Car Hernandez. And uh, certainly... All of the Mariners rumors that are out there regarding free agency and trade. Let's get into it. Mariners rumors. You can't start a Mariners uh, free agency offseason rumor uh, chapter without starting with Shohei Otani. Obviously, Otani is every team's uh, number one target. The team's rumored to be under consideration or considering making a big run at Shohei Otani are the favorite, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Los Angeles Angels, his current team, the San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants, the Mariners, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, and the Texas Rangers. Six years ago when Otani was first coming to the United States, New York wasn't really a consideration. I don't Personally believe New York is a consideration for Otani uh, this go around, but you best believe uh, Steve Cohen owned New York Mets team and the New York Yankees are going to throw a lot of money at Shohei Otani. Uh, He'll certainly have that as leverage and it it behooves him to keep those teams in the news with regards to his free agency. Uh, Most that kind of have inside knowledge think that he prefers to stay on the West Coast. He requires going to a team that is going to win. Uh, J.P. Morosi said the Dodgers are the favorite in his mind. Uh, USA Today put forth the number $510 million over 10 years. As the prospective contract, most people think he will get close to or above $50 million per. Uh, John Heyman of the New York Post says Otani wants a, quote, very long deal. I think... One of the, those deals, like you saw the Padres give out uh, to Xander Bogertz and uh, Manny Machado, or the uh, Phillies give to Trey Turner as far as length goes, I think Otani will demand that. Uh, if you're going to give it to anyone, you're going to give it to him. But I do think it's really interesting to think about the fact that he's not going to pitch until 2025. So Tommy John surgery is on the way. He had his first Tommy John in 2018. So this is his second. The second Tommy John comes with more risk associated. 
Uh, he's only thrown 430 innings since his first TJ in 18. So in my mind, if I'm the Mariners and I'm thinking about the addition of Shohei Otani and what the outlay requires, I don't know if you think about his uh, his pitching as value added. I think the pitching has to be um, kind of an extra right? Or in addition to the hitting and you're not expecting to get a dominant pitching from Shohei. I know that he wants to, would not surprise me to see him pitch in 25 and pitch okay and then pitch very well in 26. But when I'm thinking about the value of this deal over 10 years, it's not Shohei Otani's ability to pitch that is going to dictate what I would pay him. It's his ability to hit, right? So last year, he had a 180 WRC plus. He hit 304, 412, 654 slug, which is nuts. 599 plate appearances, 44 home runs, 20 steals, a over 15% walk rate, 23.6% K rate. He was absolutely phenomenal. And even as a DH or just as a hitter, to get a 180 WRC plus and 44 home runs, out of a DH is is wild. I don't also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Shohei to play a little bit of first base at some point. Um, I was speaking with a buddy of mine who's a big Bryce Harper fan. He said, why can't Otani be like Harper and play first um, since he's not going to pitch next year just off of Tommy John? But I do think that whoever signs Otani is going to have to baby his arm. And so Playing first base in the immediate doesn't make a lot of sense, um, having just had Tommy John. But in the future, uh, playing a little bit of first base, I don't think would hurt. Uh, certainly would fill a hole for the Mariners. Uh, so the Mariners are in conversation with, like I said, five or six other teams. I don't believe, despite how phenomenal of a talent and a player Shohei Otani is, I think the Mariners pursue their offseason as if they're not going to sign him. I do think that uh, Shohei Otani not signing yet is holding up the free agent market. Uh, many of the teams rumored to sign him, you know, are waiting to see where he goes and if they get him before really spending that money. Uh, I think in the Mariners case and p- probably plenty of other teams, specifically on the West Coast, but probably all teams, to be honest, see Otani as... um kind of what I spoke of on previous podcasts about the marketing and the selling of Otani uh, in jerseys uh, and other sorts of marketing as being, as paying for a large portion of his contract specifically with the Mariners. As I've stated previously, I know that Ichiro Suzuki's marketing essentially paid for his contract and the Mariners were willing to pay him whatever it took to have him as a Mariner because uh, he was so valuable uh, in marketing specifically to Asia. So with Otani, again, I think the Mariners should really pursue their offseason as if they're not going to get him. As many have said, the Dodgers are the favorite. Uh, and if they are to get him, even if it's after signing some free agents, I don't think it impacts the finances tremendously or as much as you might think. All right, next name. That has been lighting up Mariners Twitter is uh, Blake Snell. As we all know, Blake Snell, left-handed starting pitcher, probable National League Cy Young Award winner this season, 
won an AL Cy Young with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2018. Local boy from North Seattle, uh, just north of, of the city in Shoreline, I believe. 31 years old, 6'4", 225. He was drafted in the second round by Tampa in 2011. Last season, 180 innings, 220 or 2.25 ERA, 1.19 whip. He was worth 4.1 Fangraphs war. He did run an incredibly high walk rate at 13.3%, good for fourth percentile amongst pitchers, but a 31.5% K rate and a 37.3% whiff rate, which is 98th percentile in baseball. Here's what's interesting about Snell and his approach. Blake Snell, it's not as if he's his command and control is not reflected in his 13.3% walk rate as much as he is unwilling to give in and throw pitches down the middle, even when behind in the, in the count, he doesn't have incredible command, but he understands that if he can avoid throwing pitches down the middle, he's not going to give up big hits. And I think uh, it's a really interesting approach. It's a pretty unique approach and he runs very high walk rates, but I don't believe um, he is a true 13.3% walk rate pitcher, right? He also surrenders very few hits and he strikes out a ton. So if he's to walk a guy or walk a couple of guys, he's confident that he's going to be able to get the next hitter out. I also think the, that or his walk rate has increased tremendously over the last or last season. Previously, 22, it was 9.5%. 21, it was 12.5, but it was below at 9.1% or below in 2019 and 18. And so what it says to me is that he was intentionally avoiding throwing strikes this season in an effort to get hitters to chase and in an effort to get hitters to strike out. When you look at his um, first pitch strike rate, it was 59.3%. League average is 60.9. So when you have poor command and poor control, your first pitch strike rate is much further below league average than 1.6%. Fact of the matter is he understands he needs to get strike one on the first pitch. But after that is when he starts to uh, be in the strike zone less. His zone contact rate is 76.2%, which is... uh, almost 6% below league average, and his chase contact rate is almost 17% lower than league average. So hitters just don't make contact. 204 average versus lefties, 176 average versus righties. Uh, Basically, he's always been a high walk, high K pitcher, but this year specifically, he really didn't give in when behind in the count and didn't really care about walks. Um. So all of this sounds good, right? Uh, I I love Blake Snell as a pitcher. I've really enjoyed watching him. But part of the reason why he was so good this season is that he really changed his pitch mix. So he throws fastball, forcing fastball, big 81-mile-an-hour curveball, changeup at 87, slider at 88. In 2022, he threw more, a lot more sliders than he did in 23. He threw 5% less curveball, which is his best pitch by far, and he threw 13% less changeup. 
And so he increased the changeup, he increased the curveball, and he really cut down on the number of sliders that he threw over last season. And I think that change in pitch mix plus the ability to not throw anything down the middle is what made him great last season. So again, all of this sounds good. Jim Bowden says um, he of the athletic who used to be the GM of the Reds and the, and the nationals thinks that it would take 122 million over five years to land Blake Snell. That's a $24.5 million uh, average annual value or average annual value or salary. Um, that puts him just above Luis Castillo as far as salary goes. But a bit of caution with Snell and why I think personally I, I would really uh, think about whether giving him a five-year contract at big money is the right thing to do is that in five full years of pitching, excluding 2020, he's only had two years above 130 innings. So 130, he had above 130 innings in 18 when he won the Cy Young with Tampa and had a 189 ERA. And he had 180 innings with a 225 ERA this year in San Diego. Outside of that, 128 in two thirds innings in 21, 128 innings in 22, 107 innings in 19. So inconsistent with regards to innings pitched. He's been hurt a bit. He struggled with you know, just kind of, I think, his mental approach to pitching a bit. Um, and he's only had, this makes two years, where he's had above four Fangraphs war. He's only had between three and four Fangraphs war one year, and between two and three Fangraphs war two years. So would make me nervous to give him a big free agent contract I don't know if you can absolutely count on him repeating what he did last season. He's done it twice now in six years. But the other four years have really not provided the same, near the same sort of value as his two Cy Young years. I'm assuming he wins the NL Cy Young this season. Um, With that said, I would still welcome Blake Snell as a Mariner. I think if it freed you up to trade one of the five starters – as I've said many times, as I said at the deadline, I think that is that is a good approach to take, um, especially if Snell's willing to give you any sort of hometown discount. Rumor is he wants to come home. Um, I've seen people talk on Twitter about the fact that, you know, he walks too many and his, his approach is not what the Mariners do. I also think that some variability or diversity in style of pitcher, in handedness of pitcher, right, Mariners don't have a lefty outside of Ray and Gonzalez, and you're not necessarily counting on them. Um, difference in approach sometimes can be good because it throws hitters off in a series, right? So facing – it's why you got teams throw soft tossers and hard throwers at times in a rotation to provide some some difference. Um, you can't just s- sit up there and expect the same sort of hard stuff in the same repertoire over and over again. It's why uh, when I was young, pitchers like Charlie Huff and Phil Necro still had value in Tim Wakefield because your timing was so thrown off facing a knuckleball and then specifically after the day or two after facing a knuckleballer that you didn't know which way was up. And I think Snell, because of the way he approaches the zone, 
And because he throws from the left side and has a big, huge curveball, um, I think this would do some good to bring some difference into the rotation. I don't know if the Mariners feel the same way. Um, but, you know, results are results. And so I don't necessarily agree that the Mariners would avoid Snell because he doesn't fit their mold of control the zone and strikes strike throwers and all that. I think he does control the zone. He just controls it in a different way. Um, that said, I don't know if the Mariners will go after him or not. I would put it 50-50 uh, at this point in time as to whether they would. Uh, next pit- pitcher, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, 25-year-old, 5'10", right-hander from Japan. He's going to get posted very soon. Not going to say much about him other than I think he's going to get above $200 million, uh in his contract, probably over something like seven or eight years. I think the Mets and the Yankees are going to go super hard after him. I'd be surprised if he went somewhere other than New York. Uh, JP Morosi said the Mariners are looking to reestablish their connection with Japan and signing him would allow for a Logan Gilbert trade. I think all of that is true, but I think Yamamoto is headed to New York. Uh, Trey candidate. I almost said Yonder Alonso. Pete Alonso, first baseman, New York Mets, big power hitter. We all know Pete Alonso, MLB superstar. He's a free agent at the end of 24. He's hit 86 home runs and 249 RBIs in the last two years. He leads the league in both over two years. Cubs, Mariners, and Giants are the rumored teams. Uh, I think it would take young pitching to acquire Alonzo. David Stearns is their new guy, head guy in baseball ops with the Mets. Um, he ran the Brewers between 15 and 22. Uh, Harvard grad, um, pretty frugal, understands value, uh, built the pitching that has really carried the Brewers over the last few years with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and and uh, uh, Freddie Peralta. I think that, you know, the Mariners fit that in that they have some really good uh, young pitching. I don't know what it would take to get one year of Alonzo. Uh, in what I've read, most people think that the Mariners would say no to Gilbert for one year of Alonzo, but would think about one year of Alonzo for um, – Brian Wu or Bryce Miller. Uh, I don't love Pete Alonso. I think he's a bit of a one-trick pony in that he just, not that home runs are bad, but he just, he hits home runs. It's what he does. Um, not a high average hitter. He does strike out um, some, but not nearly as much as you would expect from a big power hitter. He struck out 22.9% of the time this season, which is not horrible. Um he did hit 217. Part of that is a 205 Babbitt. I think that's mostly luck. He's really a true, I think, 260 or so hitter. Uh, 47.7% fly balls this season. So big fly ball hitter playing a big park in, with New York, uh, with the Mets. I don't think that that playing in uh, T-Mobile would impact his power numbers. Um, while I think he would be a good addition to the team, uh, I don't personally love Pete Alonso, and I think that putting Pete Alonso, taking away pitching to add a, one year of Alonso is not necessarily the move I would make unless you were willing to outlay the money that they would take to re-sign him. Next hitter. One of my personal, uh, what do you call it, stinkers or, I don't know, a player that people love to bring up, 
um, and talk about for the Mariners. I can't, I do not like him as a player. I think he's vastly overrated. So Jonathan India, second baseman, Cincinnati Reds. He's 27 years old. Arbitration eligible in 24, free agent in 27. This season, he hit 244, 338, 407 with 1.2 fan graphs war, 529 plate appearances, 17 homers, 14 steals, 9.8% walk rate, 20.6% K rate. So you look at those numbers. Uh, he had a lot of fantasy helium two years ago going into the offseason. From what I saw, there were a lot of reasons to doubt Jonathan India as a decent second baseman. As you heard, he was a one worth 1.2 fangraphs war last season and had a 99 WRC plus. So a lot of what he does is accumulate homers and steals, 17 homers, 14 steals. And people have pointed to his lower strikeout rate as reason for the Mariners to pursue him. That plus the Mariners need at second base. But in 2022, in 431 plate appearances, he hit 10 home runs and had a 96 WRC+. His best year was his rookie year in 21, where he hit 269. He had 21 homers and 12 steals. Walk rate of 11.3%. 3.1 grass war. 631 plate appearances, 122 WRC+. But in the previous or the subsequent two years, his WRC+, 99 and 96. Mariners playing second base or ability to play middle infield WRC plus last season, JP Crawford was 134. We all know that he was great, but here's some other names that were had WRC plus better than Jonathan India last season. Sam Haggerty 108, Dylan Moore 105. Neither of those two is going to play a regular second base, but Josh Rojas will. And his WRC plus last season was 104. So, India's true value, right, his, like, real value as a second baseman is mostly fantasy-wise with homers and steals, and it's he's an accumulator. He requires a ton of at-bats to get to those numbers. He doesn't strike out, but he doesn't hit either. He hit 244 last season. Even Jose Caballero had a 96 WRC+, and his value was as a great defender and a very fast player at second who can hit lefties. But his WRC plus was only three below Jonathan India last season. So why would you go out and offer assets for a player who basically is uh, below major league average from a WRC plus perspective? It makes very little sense to me. It's a hard no if Cincinnati asks for pitching. Here's the other thing. Well, two more things. The first one is that Cincinnati is a tremendous hitter's park, probably the best hitter par- hitter's park in baseball. And you would be going from there to T-Mobile. We all know that T-Mobile suppresses hitting. And the biggest stat, the one that makes me, you know, a hard no on Jonathan India, his defense last season, outs above average, minus six. Eighth percentile outs above average at second base. So in Rojas and Caballero, assuming Rojas and Caballero is your platoon um, second baseman for the Mariners, both are elite second baseman defensively. 
you would be going from that to India. You do not know the value of a very good rangy second baseman until they're gone. Until you see ground ball after ground ball go just under the glove of a diving Jonathan India. India is not a good player. He's overrated. He's a team leader with the Reds. But the Reds basically benched him at the end of the season when they had De La Cruz, McLean, Steer, Noel V. Marte, that whole group of young players come up because they knew that India is at best a league average player. So hard no on India. Sorry to go on so long with him. I get really frustrated when his name comes up because he's not good. Good player, Yandy Diaz, 32 years old, Tampa Bay Rays, first baseman, signed for $8 million a year through 25 with a club option for 26. 330, 410, 522 last season. 164 WRC plus, 4.7 fan graphs war. 600 plate appearances, 22 home runs, 11% walk rate, 15.7% K rate. Very, very good player. 52% ground ball rate. He's always, knock on him is that he's really strong, country strong, but hits too many ground balls. Um, That many ground balls creates a variability in his uh, batting average at times, year to year. Last season, 337 or 367 batting average of balls in play, which contributed to the 330 average. His XBA or expected batting average was only 301. And he hit 22 home runs, as I said. But in seven years, besides this season, he had never hit more than 14 home runs. So not necessarily a power player. And I think people expect him to continue that. And that's not necessarily going to be the case. But he's hit 300 twice. He's had an OBP above 375 three times. Um, He's not a very good defender. Minus six outs above average at first, eighth percentile. But $8 million a year for Diaz for for 2024, 25, and 26 is what you'd be trading for. Um, Again, not a good defender. Uh, And... I assumed that Diaz would require a ton of trade capital to to acquire him. But according to J.P. Morosi, he said that if he asked an executive, um, would a Logan Gilbert for Yandy Diaz trade make sense? And the executive said the Mariners would be a hard no. But that one of Brian Wu or Bryce Miller might potentially get Diaz. Again, great contract. I don't think he's really a power player. I think you would expect like maybe 15 home runs from him. He did have an inflated Babbitt that led to the high average. I think he's a good but not a great player. I don't I don't believe he's elite. I certainly don't think he's a, a 900 plus OPS sort of guy. Would he improve the Mariners? Absolutely he would. 100%. He is a super deluxe version in many ways, of Ty France. Ty France is, hits for a little more power. Ty France walks significantly less, and I think Ty France overall is not as good of a hitter. Um, but a good Ty France year, a very good Ty France year, is gets you maybe 85% of Yandy Diaz. So are you willing to give up, um, are you willing to give up 
uh, one of your pitchers to acquire him. I probably would say yes to Wu or Miller um, to acquire Diaz. I'd be a bit nervous about his ability to reproduce what he did this season, but um, I think he is one that you have to keep an eye on with the Mariners and one that is not unrealistic uh, considering what you might think it would take to acquire a player who had a 164 WRC plus last season. Uh, Juan Soto. Lots of Mariners folks, fans on Twitter, you know, pounding the table for Juan Soto. I get it. Juan Soto is a superstar. Um, and it's weird that he's, you know, he is a realistic acquisition. Uh, would it be amazing to acquire him? Yeah, of course. Like, he's a top five offensive player in baseball, maybe top 10, but an amazing hitter and young. Why would, wouldn't I do it? Uh, he ain't resigning here. I'm sorry to break it to y'all, but Juan Soto is not resigning with the Mariners. Um the weather in Seattle is horrible. Juan Soto's Dominican. Uh, Mariners have payroll constraints, as we know. I don't think the Mariners would be willing to to outlay the amount of cash that it's going to take to re-sign Juan Soto to, say, a 10-year contract. Having him plus Julio is probably too much for this ownership. Whether you believe they have the money or not is not uh, does not impact whether they decide to actually spend it. I get that they probably have the money or that they do have the money. I don't care. If they're not spending it, it doesn't matter. It's a smaller city. Here's a guy that played in D.C. Here's a guy that would love to play in L in New York. He played in Southern California. Um, I don't think that Seattle would be a good fit for him from a city standpoint. I also will say, as I did on the, the last Mariners cast, there's a cultural component to this. Juan Soto is Dominican. Juan Soto played on the East Coast, right? Seattle has very little Dominican culture. And that's not to say that he can't become a part of the city's fabric like, like Julio has. But Julio is a one-off, right? Julio is someone who has the ability and the desire, I think is the bigger word, to connect with everyone he comes in contact with. And I don't believe Juan Soto would be the same. I just, I think the bottom line is he's not, he's not resigning with the Mariners. So you'd have him for one year. Again, JP Morosi thinks that a trade of Logan Gilbert for Soto would be off the table from the Mariners perspective, but Wu or Miller would be something that they would consider. Um, I would consider Wu or Miller plus a prospect. It depends on who the prospect is, but I think that would get, that would certainly get San Diego to listen. Um, but you would have to know you're signing him for one year. Next, there were rumors uh, from Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet Toronto uh, five days ago that the Blue Jays are eyeing a Eugenio Suarez as a potential third base option if they do not re-sign Matt Chapman. Uh, if that happened, according to um, Nicholson Smith, Candelario or Jimer Candelario would be a candidate for the Mariners. I don't see the Mariners dealing Suarez. Um, I think that not keeping or not giving the QO to Teo uh, means that Suarez and Cal Raleigh, both high strikeout hitters, are probably going to remain with the team. Um, 
And I don't know that Candelario, even though he's a better hitter, is an upgrade over Suarez. Suarez provides a little bit more power, likely, and certainly better defense. Next free agent possibility, Lourdes Gurriel. Lourdes Gurriel was traded from the Blue Jays to the Arizona Diamondbacks last offseason in the trade of uh, Gabriel Moreno and Dalton Varsho. Gurriel is 30. He is a left fielder only. Certainly could DH, obviously. 6'4", 215, Jim Bowden predicts three years, $36 million for Gurriel. That's $12 million a year. Not a big outlay for a free agent left fielder. Last season was his best season as a hitter, 261, 309, 463. 2.1 Fangraphs War, 106 WRC+. 592 plate appearances, 24 homers, 5 steals. 17.4% walk rate has that contact ability. Uh, Jerry DePoto talked about wanting for this team, but only a 5.6% walk rate. Um, I don't love the fit. I just, I just think he's a average major league player, right? Average major league outfielder with no upside. I'd rather take Teo on a one-year QO deal or even two years, say two years, 40 million with the upside that Teo Hernandez offers because he has been a 130 plus WRC plus type of hitter. Gurriel, his ceiling is so low that he's really just becomes a placeholder for your next young player. I'm a hard no on Lourdes Gurriel, even at a cheap contract. I just don't think he he makes the team any better. Uh, Justin Turner, 39 years old, uh, pretty much a first baseman at this point, played third base for a long time for the Dodgers, has been a very good hitter historically, but he's in decline. Last year, WRC plus 114 at first base. He got all the way up to 158 in 2014. Has been a very good hitter, but his WRC plus since 14, 158, 141, 123, 151, 154, 131, 138, 126, 124 last or two years ago and 114 this year. So in a steady decline for the last six years. Um, And even at a 114 WRC plus, I think you can realistically expect a little bit of a bounce back from Ty France, if not a big one. And a big bounce back puts him far past 114. Uh, The expectation from MLB trade rumors is that he gets a one-year $16 million contract. At that place, I'd prefer to just roll the dice again with Ty France. As much as I didn't enjoy him last season, I do think he's going to be better. So all those free agents, interesting. Trade candidates, interesting. Um, I think the the most likely of the ones mentioned would be the Mariners signing Blake Snell. I don't know that that would happen. Um, I do think they'll sniff around on Yandy Diaz and Pete Alonso. I don't expect that to happen. So the Mariners, when the uh, qualifying offers were due, decided to not offer Teoscar Hernandez the QO. They let him go for nothing. If they offered him the QO, Teo could have accepted it at $20.3 million for one year. Tails 31 years old. He had a 105 WRC plus, 26 homers. Uh, played an average right field. Struck out 31.1% of the time, which I think is the big reason why the Mariners decided to not tender him the QO. Here's the problem. You offer him the QO, you get a compensation draft pick. The Mariners were afraid 
that Teo would have accepted the qualifying offer, at which point they would have had to pay him 20 plus million dollars. And while I think the value that he offers and the slight upside that he offers at $20 million in right field is not horrible. I think that the Mariners would be happy is not the word, but okay with, you know, mid twenties, home runs, uh hundred RBIs, decent defense, probably a 110, 115 WRC plus Mariners would be cool with that at 20 million for the one year. But What's interesting is when Jerry Depoto was asked about um, about the QO and about the offseason, he said at the GM meetings, quote, we're looking to add or adding some, con- some contacts to our lineup when he was asked by J.P. Morosi about the club's biggest need. And then he said, quote, we wanted to make sure we can address some of the flaws that exist in our team, despite the fact that we didn't have a great start to the season or that Teo didn't have a great start to his season. He put up numbers and he contributed down the stretch as much as any player we had, but we felt this was an opportunity to kind of take a new look at the way our team is built. I think alluding to fewer strikeouts, more contact. And then quote, if there was a reason why we were sitting home in the postseason, we felt it was probably our inability to consistently make contact, unquote. So he basically said that they wanted to make sure they could address the lack of contact and the high K rate. And while Teoscar Hernandez did not have the highest K rate amongst the Mariners, he was the one player that it made sense to offload first. Um, the interesting part of it is the decision to not offer him the qualifying offer has the Mariners playing as a more mid-market, smaller market, uh, financial mentality sort of team, right? A big market team offers the qualifying offer to Teo, either takes the draft pick in return if he if he declines, or says, okay, cool, you accepted it, no big deal, $20 million, we're going to get production from him, okay, who's next? The Mariners and the way that Jerry Depoto phrased his comment about Teo is that he wanted to take that spot and that money and use it to find a player who didn't make or who uh, to find players that made better contact and struck out less. A big market team would be willing to sign him or to offer him the qualifying offer and risk him re-signing knowing that he may not play all the time. If you indeed want to have a higher contact, lower K rate team, but Teo Hernandez playing against left-handers and some right-handers to a big market team is not the worst case scenario, but the Mariners don't have, or, or better said, Jerry DePoto does not have the financial flexibility to take that risk and have him accept the qualifying offer. So I found that interesting. It really did place the Mariners amongst mid-market and small-market teams with that comment. Um, Mariners were second to last in baseball and strikeouts last season, 22nd in batting average, 15th in OBP, 16th in slug. Teo did strike out 211 times. Um, But 
Jared Kelnick had a higher K rate. They'll keep him. Too talented, cost control, blah, blah, blah. Mike Ford had a higher K rate. Don't know if Mike Ford's going to be back on the team. Dylan Moore had a higher K rate. Dylan Moore is going to be back. Suarez was close. And then Raleigh, Murphy, and J-Rod were the next. Um, I get it if that's your approach. Uh, I think there's more to them not offering him the QO than just the comment that he made. There's probably some uh, communication attitude stuff, I think, that probably goes along with the decision to not offer him the QO, but I found that very interesting. Um, a couple players that Trade Rumors listed as candidates to replace Teo. Uh, Lord Escurial Jr., we covered him already. I would be upset if that's the replacement. Jung-Hoo Lee, uh, hit over power, high contact guy coming over from Korea, left-handed bat. Exciting player. I don't know if he adds tremendous value from a, uh, a war standpoint. I don't know if that would be an upgrade at all. Alex Verdugo, similar sort of player as Jung-Hoo Lee uh, in that he is contact over power, uh, not as fast. Uh, Verdugo is a decent player, but not a value add either. Uh, certainly changes the complexion of the lineup in that he is such a high contact hitter. And Max Kepler, who would be a trade candidate from the Twins, left-handed power hitter, uh, makes more contact than than Teo does, but again, doesn't move the needle. None of those guys move the needle in right field for the Mariners. They just don't. In fact, I would argue that all four were probably less valuable offensively in 2024 than Teoscar Hernandez. So we'll see what happens. Um, if it was me, I, I would have offered him the QO uh, because I don't think that keeping him in right field is the is the end of the world. I think if he would have re-signed it, then you might have looked to move Suarez and bring in a higher contact third baseman. I think you may have thought long and hard about whether Jared Kelnick is a major league regular or if he needs to be a strong side platoon corner outfielder. Um, I think it would have made your decision pretty clear about Mike Ford as to whether he's coming back and maybe even Dylan Moore. You would have had to compensate for that high K rate elsewhere. But I don't think Teoscar Hernandez is a bad player. So we'll see what happens there. I think that is it from a kind of free agent uh, potential additions to the Mariners standpoint. Uh, I know I covered a lot just now. Uh, real quickly, Mariners added and subtracted a couple of interesting players. So uh, they signed Tyson Miller, right-handed minor league relief pitcher to a minor league contract, 6'4", 225. Uh, he last pitched for the Dodgers. He pitched for the the Brewers, the Mets, and the Dodgers in 23, only 15.1 innings. 28 years old, former fourth-round pick of the Cubs in 16. Option years are exhausted, so he'd have to be placed on waivers if he was ever brought up to the major leagues. Uh, 96 percentile extension. Doesn't throw very, very hard. 91-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, big slider at 82 miles an hour, almost a sweeper. 31% more horizontal break than league average with the slider last season. Uh, interesting guy, those strikes, first pitch strike rate really high. We'll see what happens. Another arm in the art Mariners arsenal. Mariners outrighted Ryder Ryan off the 40 man. Um, 
Mariners traded Riley O'Brien, a pitcher that they would have had to make a decision on from a 40-man standpoint. Uh, he was drafted by the Rays in 17, pitched very well in AAA for the Mariners. Uh, co- command and control, not great, but 2.29 ERA and 55 innings pitched in a 37.7% K rate. Those fastball up, curveball down, that old school Troy Percival um, attack plan. But he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, I believe. Mayors acquired Cody, Cody Bolton, 25-year-old relief pitcher, right-handed from the Pirates for cash considerations. 21 in the third innings in Pittsburgh, did not pitch very well, 6.33 ERA. 3.86 ERA in AAA for the Pirates last season, 1.22 whip. Uh, those a high-spin sweeper, 27 45 is the average RPM on his sweeper at 84 miles an hour and a 95 mile an hour fastball along with the changeup. So interesting arm, I think in some ways, probably a younger version of Trent Thornton, big sweeper, mid nineties fastball. Um, We'll see what they have there. Mets claimed Penn Murphy, former Mariners relief pitcher off of waivers. He's not going to be back till late 2024 because of Tommy John surgery this year. His best season was in 22 for the Mariners, 69 and third innings, 2.99 ERA, 0.95 whip. Not a big loss for the Mariners. Mariners also claimed Caleb Ort, right-handed relief pitcher, 31 years old, big guy, 6'4", 240 from the Red Sox. Throws 96 with an 84-mile-an-hour slider. Uh, big arm. We'll see what the Mariners can do with it. And then lastly, the Mariners acquired the most interesting one to me. Mariners acquired Blake Hunt. Blake Hunt is a catcher. He's 25 years old. Uh, 6'3", 215. He was picked by the Padres in 17 in the second round. Uh, $1.6 million signing bonus. I think that was about twice of what slot uh, was for that position. Blake Hunt is a defense-first prospect. Um, Right-handed hitting. He was the number 22 raised prospect in in 2022, according to MLB Pipeline. He was acquired by the Rays um, in the Luis Patino, Francisco Mejia deal with those two for Blake Snell in 2020. Uh, Mariners gave up Tatum Levins, an eighth round pick in 22, left-handed hitting catcher to acquire him. He is or he will be added to the 40-man for the Mariners. So Mariners have plans for him. He's an elite premium defensive catcher. Very good arm, very good glove, very smart, instinctual catcher. I think he is your prototypical catcher two on a good team, specifically one that has a left-handed hitting catcher one. Last season in AA and AAA at 256, 331 with an 815 OPS. 246 at-bats, 12 home runs, 7.8% walk rate, 21.7% K rate. Uh, he would have been, had to have been exposed exposed to the 40-man or or exposed to the Rule 5 or put on the 40-man um, this season, I believe. Or he might have become a free agent. I don't really, I don't, I'm not quite sure. But the Mariners acquired, the interesting part is the Mariners acquired a an elite defensive catcher with some power who hits from the right side and they're going to add him to the 40 man. What this says to me is 
They this is a backup plan in case Tom Murphy does not resign with the Mariners. Um, I don't know if Tom Murphy's going to be too expensive for the Mariners as a catcher too, but this is a very good contingency plan. The Mariners did not have another catcher in the system that could have provided this type of defense, right? We saw the Brian O'Keefe types coming up last season, and that's not, not going to do it when Cal Raleigh needs a rest. I really appreciate and like the uh, acquisition of Blake Hunt. It's the kind of thing on the margins that I think can really help the Mariners long-term. Um, we'll see what happens with the the second catcher position for the Mariners. Um, I, With the acquisition of Hunt, I think the Mariners are still going to try to re-sign Murphy. If it gets too expensive, you will see Blake, Blake Hunt as the number two catcher for the Mariners this season. Made it this far. Thanks for listening to uh, Mariners Cast 105. Again, we are presented to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That is T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. In the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Please give a follow on Twitter to both accounts if you can. Uh, certainly follow on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out a lot. Uh, I will be back next Monday, barring any big Mariners news, to give an update on the last week of Mariners rumors. Um, This has been fun. Appreciate the listen. Take care, y'all. Enjoy the week. 